to Luke chapter 21 as we journey through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Luke 21, we're just going to do the four verses today. And he looked up and he saw the rich putting in their gifts into the treasury. And he saw also a certain poor widow putting in two mites. And he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than y'all. Or all y'all. For all these have put in out of their abundance, having put in their offering for God. But she, out of the poverty, put in all of her livelihood that she had. So, Lord, we thank you again for our day. We ask, Lord, that you would bless us, Lord, through your word, as we know it always does. And so, Lord, this topic of giving today, we hand it over to you, Lord, because you are the great giver. And so, Lord, we just ask that you'd bless those who can't be with us, Lord, watching us over the internet and on the radio. Thank you, Lord, again for all that you give us. In Jesus' name, amen. So you look at a section like this, and we're going to read it. That you got a handout. We've got a lot of verses to go through today. Um, if you're new here and you went, I knew it, they always talk about giving. Maybe that's what you're thinking. Um, I was trying to figure out the last time I did a giving message, that means it comes up in the Word, because Calvary Chapel is different than any other church in that we teach the entire Bible, all 66 books, and we, we, we teach on topics that come up in the Scripture. So it's not like Tom says, hey, we're a little low in Arrowwood, start talk, give a giving message. And just so you know, we kind of laugh at this. Uh, Tom and Bill are uh, now going to go in the back and be in the fetal position. Because when, we, when I do a giving message, tithes go down. Every single time. Stop talking about tithing, they say. <laughs> but here is a topic that I realize that um, I could have today just talked about it and walked right into the destruction of the temple. Would have been real easy to do that, but like, oh, by the way, give. But we have a lot of new people that have been coming over the last year because we're open uh, and we're doing what God has called us to do. And so if we obey his word, we should obey it in all things. Because God is the great giver, God has given us the heart of giving through his word and he he demonstrates that to us throughout the entire word, from the Old Testament to the New Testament. That's what we will look today. It's important to know how to give and how to do it right and with the right heart. It's important as parents to teach our children how to do that and do that in the beginning so that when they become an adult, it's not something uh, that they're going to, like many people inside the church, they dread that. And so what I want to do today is simply give you what the Bible would say, and the idea here, it's a biblical reasons or the biblical reasons for giving. So we even have a slide for you that you will be able to see that. They'll be able to see it at home as well. And we're going to go through these points. And it is not an exhaustive study. I mean, there's more we could dive into. But these are, uh, for our purposes, really what God demonstrates for us in his word. And we're going to look at this account uh, that Jesus has This is kind of the end of the day for him in the temple. He has been battling with the religious leaders. And so he he sees this uh, widow, this poor widow. I mean, did she have a a name tag on that said poor widow? How did she know she was poor, right? There was something that he could perceive out of her. And I want to do something before we jump into our list. I want to go over to Mark and read his version very close to ours. Mark chapter 12, let's turn over there. You can take that list off, Micah, for a while. In Mark chapter 12, verse 41, and again, this is Peter's version, right? 
Peter is the one dictating to Mark. Luke later gets it. So always just a little bit different view of everything. And now Jesus sat opposite the treasury. And I want you to see this. He saw how the people put money into the treasury and that many who were rich put in much. Now, I want to make this statement right off the bat because Jesus isn't condemning the rich who are putting in much. That's not what he is saying. He is going to tell us, and through this section of Scripture, we're going to see that giving is about the heart. It's not so much about how much, but it is about the heart and how willing we are to do that, how joyful we are to do that, how regularly we are to do that. And so we're going to break that all down. But he says, then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which makes a quandary. And he called his disciples unto himself, and he said, Assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all of you who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance, but she out of the poverty put in, please note with me, all that she had, all of her livelihood. So now back to Luke. So we see this poor widow in the temple and in the temple, they had these giant urns, and they would put their money into that. And the urns were designated for different areas for the temple upkeep, and you could put money specifically into the widows and the orphans. I'm interested in heaven to know what urn she put her money into. And so as this is going on and this display is going on and the rich are putting in all of their amount and oftentimes the trumpeters would play before somebody rich would put something in so everyone would turn their attention to the person giving. Wow, look at that. Pause for a second. That's why we have a box. We have never passed the plate here at Calvary Chapel Myrtle Beach in 18 years. Um, we won't. It doesn't mean that it's wrong. It's just what we feel is most important is the heart of the giver, not the wowing of people around. How many of you have been at a church and you saw some guy pull out a stack of hundreds? You're like, whoo. Well, he just lost his reward because it's showing of men. And we're going to break this all down. Jesus is going to tell us about it. Don't let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's going to be very clear to us by the end of the day, amen, these four verses. We're going to break it down. We're going to see that God is more interested in your heart than how much. And that's different from the Old Testament. And again, the, the Old Testament, uh, and again, before the law, and I want to make this, print, uh, this, this point too, because a lot of people in the New Testament balk at the idea of 10%, and they're like, that's not, it's not in the New But the idea of 10% came from Abraham, which is pre-law. So it's a wonderful starting point to which a Jew in the Old Testament would never think about giving over that amount. But when we get to the New Testament, that's what Paul says. He's going to say it's a proportion of your income. It's not about a fixed number. Amen? Good night. <laughs> You got the handout, you do the work. Why do I have to do all the heavy lifting? <laughs> and so he looked up and he saw a, the rich putting in their gifts into the treasury, and he saw a certain poor woman putting in two mites. And he said unto them, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than you all. For all of these out of their abundance have put in the offering for God, but she out of, the, out of her poverty put in all of her livelihood. Please note with me. What is all she has? Would we agree, before we even get into our list, that she could have put one in and put 50% of her income in, and we would go, wow, 50% of your income. She didn't do that. She gave all, and she trusted in the Lord to provide for her. That's why Jesus said, wow, do you see that, guys? Everyone else is giving out of their extra that doesn't hurt them at all. A guy that's got 50 million and he drops 1 million into the tithe, and I'm looking around trying to see who it is because <laughs> Arrowwood's got some work. <laughs> 
It doesn't mean anything. You ever see, and I don't mean to pick on these guys, but you know, the ultra rich in our, our nation, and you look at their giving and you go, yeah, but you have like a billion dollars and you just gave, you know, 10 million. How about like 100 million or 500 million or a billion? You see, their giving doesn't hurt them. It's out of their abundance. And Jesus goes, all right, you gave it, good, but it's not like this widow. Do you see that? And so by the end of today, I hope that we will see the heart of this woman in the month that we talk about giving the most. Isn't that great? That Jesus is the greatest giver and the best gift that has ever been given on planet earth came from God himself. He loves to give. In fact, if you look up the word giving in the Bible, it's used some 1,100 times. I think he's interested in that. And he's interested not only in us giving financially, but of our time as well our service to God. And so that's what we're going to break down. And so this all started with the arrival of this woman coming to the temple. And so the Lord compares the gifts of the rich man to the woman giving giving her two copper coins. Again, the widow's might does not represent the least we can give, but the most. Maybe you know this old hymn that we sing, take my silver and my gold, not a mite will I withhold. When we sing that, we are telling God that everything we have belongs to him. Do we really believe that today? Or is it just something that we sing? Again, when it comes to our giving, God sees more than the portion. He sees the poor portion of our giving. Not the portion but he sees how much of our income is affected by that. Men see what is given, but God sees what is left. I think that's the most important thing, is that God sees everything, and he sees what's left. By that measure we give and the gifts that we give. Winston Churchill, who was no by means a strong believer in the Lord, but maybe it'll be good, we'll see him in heaven. He's a, he is a character, Winston Churchill. But he said, we make a living by what we get, but we make a life by what we give. He perhaps learned that from Jesus or from Paul, as we'll see, teaching on giving. So in this section, Jesus wants just as much as the rich man. It doesn't matter if you are poor in influence and gifts or in money. If you give sacrificially to the Lord, he is well pleased. And that, I think, is wonderful how Jesus points her out. Because, listen, in a minute, the the apostles are going to go to Jesus and go, look how grand this temple is. Listen, it is so easy, is it not, on planet Earth to be wowed by the things that are wow. Wow, look at that money. Look at that car. Look at that home. Look at that. I mean, we live in a society that is just filled with covetousness. And we look at wow all the time. And it's real easy for those disciples to sit there and see the wow that's filtering in and dumping the money in and then think to themselves, well, God's not going to be pleased by what I give. And what does Jesus do? Points out the greatest giver. So what that does for us is it allows us to say, hey, God is well pleased by what I do, and we'll see this list. It, again, it doesn't matter if you're poor in influence or in gifts or in money. If you sacrificially give to God what you have, He is well pleased, and that is good news because we can sit here and go, well, I can't be as smart as Paul the Apostle or some of these learned guys, and Jesus goes, that's why we picked Peter. Amen? Do you see that? That's all through the Bible, those wonderful examples. (laughs) And so we can say, well, I can't give like that person. I can't give like that person. That person of Jesus goes, yeah, but can you give like the widow? Oh, why does he say that? 
because it's the example. The widow is the standard, not the rich man. And so that's what we're going to look at today. So look at your list. Look at the screen, (laughs) whatever you need. These are the biblical reasons for giving. And the first one on your list is give with simplicity. So I'd like you to turn to these. I have them already noted for you. I was going to print out the verses, but then I thought, no, that's you got to work for it just like I did. So turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 8. Now, I'm going to read from the King James because it uses the word simplicity. He that giveth, let him do with simplicity. And so the giver needs to do simply and without strings, without any strings attached, to just simply give to God. Maybe you know people who have (laughs) given to the church, but they say, listen, This money is supposed to go for that thing, and I want my name on the back of that pew or that chair or on that stained glass. Anyone? Anyone know those churches? Anyone have ever been to those churches? Come on, this is church. (laughs) Our church used to rent back in California. um, Again, our church was the Cornerstone Ministries there, we just didn't have a whole lot, and so we rented from a, a Baptist church, and of course, uh, and again, nothing against the Baptists, but man, they love their stained glass, don't they? And they love that name right on the bottom of that stained glass, given by such and such. Give with simplicity. Just give. Just give with simplicity. Teaching the Word of God with simplicity and giving with simplicity. Matthew chapter 6. Let's go to the red letters. Very famous, we know this, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus speaking. Give without calling attention to yourself. Now, take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be, notice, seen by them. Now, we just mentioned that they love to be seen. They love the best seats. They love the titles. They love all of that, the religious leaders. And so Jesus says, hey, don't blow the trumpet when you come to church and give to God. So we have boxes, we have online giving, you could put it onto your phone. We even have young people here today that will help you get that installed on your phone. (laughs) To make it easier, it is really convenient to be able to do that on your phone. We even printed a sheet for you. Needed it being a little bit bigger font though. (laughs) But it's there for you. You can do it on your phone now. It's, It's different than... People don't even know what a check is. But we're, it's actually pretty funny the amount of checks we still get into the counting. So uh, we're blessed by all of that, but we want to give you the opportunity as well, and you could do that on your phone. Notice, to be seen by them, otherwise you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Why would Jesus say that? Because I thought the most important thing was giving. No, the most important thing is your heart. That's what Jesus says over and over. So, like the guy who drops the big hundred wad there in the plate and then the guy next to him goes, wow, well, he just got his reward because that's exactly what he wanted. He could have put that in an envelope. Most churches that pass the plate have envelopes in the back of the pews, right? We even have envelopes so people can put cash in there if they needed to or a check or write down it's for Arrowwood or something like that but we have envelopes so somebody that's giving with the right heart that may have a big stack of hundreds and I'm again looking around the room but 
I mean, how many pastors have you heard said, the Lord told me somebody's given $1,000 today? No, I mean, seriously, he told me that. Right? And you feel uncomfortable, like, well, no one's standing up. I go, I guess I will. And it's manipulation. And Jesus says, that shouldn't be. We're going to read the next verse in a minute. But he says, they have their reward. Guys, do you want your reward from me, from Matt or Tom? Or do you want it from well done, good and faithful servant Jesus? I'm going to go with that one. But a lot of people love praise from men. And especially in this area of giving. I have been blessed. Again, I have just said this over and over. I've been blessed to be in Calvary most of my life. I've been blessed to have a mentor like Pastor Chuck Smith, who in Costa Mesa, people would come to him. And I remember this, this story he gives. By the way, most of this message comes out of his book, Living Water. So we have that book. I highly encourage you to pick up that book. This is a great gift to give anybody living water by Pastor Chuck. But he gave this story, and he's, he had tons of them. I mean, people would give a million dollars to Chuck. But Chuck knew, no, 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 that, that's got some strings on it, and he used discernment, and he would give it back to him. But there's one guy, because Pastor Chuck was on the radio all across the country, and this guy in Texas sent Pastor Chuck two checks in the mail. <laughs> two checks. One had, a, had an amount on it in the guy's signature. One had a bigger amount, but an, he didn't sign it. And he told Pastor Dick, he says, uh, I want you to answer these 10 questions for me, and if I'm satisfied, you could have the bigger check. <laughs> what would you do in that situation? Well, this is what Chuck did. <laughs> he wrote back, gave both checks back, Gave him his 10 answers, and he said, by the way, you probably won't be satisfied with my answers, but I don't want your money anyway. Giving with simplicity and then not being seen by men. There is a real temptation for pastors to overlook people's sin because they're, they're big givers. Listen. Uh, the board comes to the pastor and says, you got to stop talking about that because Jimmy, we'll use Jimmy as an example because he's from Jersey. Uh, hey, forget about it. No. He has this particular sin, but he's a really big giver. And if you make him mad, he, he might leave. So stop talking about that. It's interesting, isn't it? Listen, you've got to be thankful for God in this, that your pastor doesn't care about that, that your pastor, our leadership of this church, we don't care about that. We don't care about pleasing men. We're not not man-pleasers. We're God-pleasers. And where God guides, God will provide. He, He has led us 18 years in this church in five buildings, five build outs with radio stations, with a retreat center, and not going to banks. Now, we just refinanced for the first time, and that's only because Tom kind of basically blackmailed the banker. No. (laughs) But we were able to get a really good term on what was left on this building. But before then, we've always done owner financing. And it blows people's mind. Like, you just did this big deal. Oh, yeah. We just tell them we've got no money. That's not good business, Pastor. I know, but it works all of the time. We say we have no money, or this is the money we do have. Take that or not take that. And most of the time, the Lord just shines upon us, and we... uh, uh, on our Arrowwood site, uh, Tom did a really good job of kind of giving a history of Arrowwood and kind of what God had been uh, had been doing and what is he continuing doing by the property and what has been provided for you. I encourage you to read that, ccarrowwood.com, one W there. Uh, and you can read the history of that and our latest acquisition of the property on top of the hill. It, it'll blow your mind. It's fun to work for God. And it's fun to see him at work. Why? 
because we are believing what the Bible says, not what man says. This is not a Fortune 500 company. We don't, uh, over the years, we've had certain couple of businessmen come in and out of the church, and they go, I don't know how the church is operating right now. And I, I don't know either. But it's God that allows that to do that and how he directs us. All right, let me read the second part of that verse. Sorry, Matthew. This is how I get through four verses in one hour. But you also need to know the faithfulness of God in Calvary Chapel, Myrtle Beach, because it's different than maybe you have been in the past. It operates different. We don't have a thermometer. Do you see that? As much as Tom and Bill want to put one up, I I tell them we won't. (laughs) It says, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound the trumpet. Even <laughs> Don't you love how Jesus calls out those guys? This is the Sermon on the Mount. Everybody knows what they're doing. Do not sound the trumpet before as the hypocrites do, the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. For they have the glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. You can either be seen by God or seen by men. And listen. Because I know what we're working with, which is sinful human beings, we actually um, provide a way of giving so that you are not stumbled by letting people see what you're doing. Amen? We don't let that happen. So we're, we're helping you not sin. Woo! Part of our job here. All right, next one. Give willingly from the heart. Now, this is wonderful because this takes us back into Exodus. And in Exodus chapter 25, verse 2, Moses is uh, declaring this to the people from God. And it said, Speak to the children of Israel that they may bring an offering from everyone who gives it. Here's the word, the Ark of the Covenant, all of this. And at some point, they have to tell the people, Stop giving. Now, we'll let you know when that happens. Can you imagine God saying, hey, by the way, tell them to stop. We've got enough. Isn't that wonderful? But the the way that God communicates this to the children of Israel is this. It needs to be willing from your heart, not out of constraint. Not out of constraint. How many times have you heard, listen, if you don't give, God's going to judge us. This ministry is going under. Good. Let it go under. Where God guides, he provides. You know, one of the greatest ways for God to shut the door in any um, decision or plan is that he shuts it off financially. Just shuts the door. Okay, great. We won't do that. Or we'll do it slower. Or we'll do it however the Lord wants to do it. But we've got to be discerning in that. And he says, listen, I want willing participants in the kingdom of God. Next one, one of my favorite ones. Give cheerfully. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. You'll notice a lot of these are from Corinthians. (laughs) Because that was the problem church. They had problems, and they had problems with giving, and Paul needed to address their lack of giving. And so, give cheerfully, 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says, So let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a hilarious giver. That's what it means. Now, note that verse because we'll come back to that a couple of times. There's more in that verse. Did you see that? Purpose in his heart, not grudgingly. These are important tithing principles. But the one we want to look at right now is the cheerful giver, the one that laughs when they give. Did you see what I put in? No. Um, If you did, you'd laugh with me. Great. Lord, I don't know how we're doing it. Like the old woman. I don't know how I'm given everything that I have, but Lord, I can't wait to see what you're going to do. Now, before everyone starts giving everything, 
and you have nothing and you're all lining up Monday at the door for the food pantry? God doesn't tell you to be dumb. Yes? We have a discerning mind and we have the Holy Spirit. We have to be smart. Listen, if you give all of that but you can't pay your mortgage, that's not smart. The church steps in and we have to help and then that money is taken away. Listen, we're going to see that it's, again, not about how much but about the heart, proportionate, not about the portion. The next one is Acts chapter 5. Let's turn to that. I have to go into my app here, Acts 5. Now, this is hopefully well known to you, but it's about Ananias and Sapphira. And by the way, this is just a side thing. I... I think we're going to see Ananias and Sapphira in heaven. They're an example of just two people who did something really dumb, but it wasn't the unpardonable sin. It was God doing something new, like Uzzah who touched the ark and died. I'm sure we're going to see Uzzah in heaven. Are you going to have a shirt? I touched the ark. Don't do it. Ananias and Fire will have the same thing. Don't sell land and lie about it. Now, a certain man named Ananias and with his wife Sapphira, they sold a possession, so a piece of land. And this was going on because Barnabas, the son of encouragement, had already done this. And this is a dangerous thing is that people see Barnabas and what he did, and let's just say it like this, rightfully or wrongfully, wow, did you see what Barnabas did? And people are like, yeah, and they're talking about it. And Ananias Ananias goes, well, I got a piece of property. I want to get pats on the back too. And so they sell a piece of the property, but no, they kept back part of the proceeds. His wife also being aware of it. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us that because in a minute we're going to see she also drops dead. And you might think, well, that's not fair. No, she knows about it. She's in on the deal. And they brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said to Ananias, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back part of the land for yourself? Now, this is important. This is a, I mean, I could just teach on this section. There is doctrine all through here. And the doctrine is that he's going to mention God in a minute, but also mention the Holy Spirit, and he's going to tell us that they are, that they are one that the Holy Spirit is God. But know with me where lying comes from. Did you see it? From the father of lies. Do you know why you don't have to teach your kids how to lie? Because the father of lies teaches them as well. It says, while it remained, verse 4, was it not your own? And after it was sold, was it not your own to control? And the answer is yes and yes. Why have then you conceived this thing in your heart? Why have you devised this between you and your wife? Notice, you have not lied to men, but to who? God. By the way, put an arrow between God and the Holy Spirit there. And this is doctrine. This is important. Then Ananias, hearing these words, (laughs) uh, fell down and breathed his last, which means he dropped dead. Breathe his last. So great fear came upon all those who heard these things. By the way, the same phrase and great fear came upon those who heard it is the same thing that happened to Uzzah. So God was doing a work there in the Old Testament, something new, and he was doing a new work here in the New Testament. And there's, there, there's that principle of like, okay, we need to reinstill the fear of the Lord into everyone. And he allowed this to happen. So Ananias right? He drops dead. And the young men arose and they wrapped him up and carried him out and buried him. Now it was about three hours later when his wife came in, notice, not knowing what happened. And Peter answered her and said, "Uh, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And so she said, yes, for so much. And Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Look, The feet of those who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out too. Wow. (laughs) Where's that love and grace thing in the New Testament? Then immediately, what does immediately mean? 
Uh, right there. She fell down dead at his feet and breathed her last. And the young man came and found her dead and carried her out and buried her with her husband. And so great fear came upon the church and upon all who heard these things. Pretty powerful, isn't it? So what is, what's our point? Give honestly. You don't need to impress anybody. Listen, you're not going to impress me. And and I I really say this from my heart. Don't tell me that you're giving. I don't want to know. I don't know who gives. I I haven't known who's give since, who's give? That's good English. Eh. Since the beginning when we didn't have any leaders or anything, I had to write it down. But other than that first year, I don't know who gives. So, you're not going to impress me. So don't come to me and say, Pastor, uh, we're going to give. Don't tell me that. I don't want to know that. That is between the financial guys. They don't tell me ever who is. And I love that. And let me just say this to any pastor out there. You better not know that either. You better keep yourself away from that. Well, let's get to the next one. We still have a list to go and I knew I could do it in that amount of time. Give freely from Psalm chapter 54. Let's turn to Psalm 54. And there's a reason why I want you to turn to these so that you have them in your Bible and you have them noted. And keep this little handy-dandy handout in your Bible and you can reference that when somebody talks to you about giving so that you can give a reason and a hope that lies within you as well. Psalm 54 says, Verse 6, I will freely sacrifice to you. I will praise your name, O Lord, for it is good. What I love about the psalmist here is he says it's good to sacrifice unto the Lord. It's good to give unto the Lord. By the way, let let me make this point because oftentimes you're in a message like this and you're sitting here and you may be feeling uncomfortable and um, that's not my goal. But that's the Holy Spirit. That's not me. This is just God's word speaking for itself. Let it do its job and let it convict you or strengthen you. And if you're fine with this, you're like, preach on. Is anyone doing what they're supposed to be doing? Well, then you're fine with that scripture. You're fine with tithing like any other topic. But if there's a topic that comes up, and that's the section of Scripture you're dealing with, or your sin, or your whatever, then it makes you feel uncomfortable. And so it's a perfect transition into the next one. Why? Because we give because of love. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, the love chapter in the Bible, the agape chapter. Verse 3 says, And though I bestow all my gifts to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. So if we do not give out of love for Jesus Christ and what he has done for me upon the cross, and that all that I have is his anyway, it's just on loan. Remember, Jesus sees what's left. Man sees what you give, but only Jesus sees what's left. Next one, give proportionately. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 3 and 12. And I almost just taught on this section alone today because there's so much in here. Paul had told the Corinthians to give a year ago, and they had delayed in giving. And he has to write back them and go, Uh, remember that conversation we had about the churches that were in poverty and you could help out? You you might want to do that. And so he says, For I bear witness, verse 3, that according to their ability, yes, and beyond their ability, they were freely willing. And he's talking about the other churches in the area, that even when they were having problems, and they were having issues, financial issues, they still were giving. The Philippians provided for Paul time and time again. And he noted that, and he noted their love for that. So give proportionately out of your ability what you have. 
So here is the example. Let's go back to that billionaire, right? One million isn't anything. It's like the guy who gives $5. I had a guy years ago come to me and said his, his uncle was a, a multimillionaire, but he gave $5 a week every week to the church. Like, but that's nothing. That's not proportionate to your income. So that's the difference between the New Testament and the Old Testament. The Old Testament would say, well, 10%, and then some other taxes upon that for the temple. But the New Testament says, no, how much do you make? And what is your proportion to that? That is what your giving is. And again, I can't determine that for you. Only God can determine that for you. What you make, what percentage. I, I had somebody a couple of years ago tell me, uh, he said, uh, this year I decided that I'm going to do 10% and then every I don't know if it was every year or something, I'm going to add percent and see what happens. And it just kept growing. And by the way, he lost his job, and he still gave that amount. And God continued to bless him, as we'll see. Now, in verse 12, it says, For if there is first a willing... From, a, from man's perspective, does giving to God make any sense? No. Why would you give? How many relatives do you have? When you say, I gave to Arrowwood or I give to the church, and they look at you like, are you a moron? You have this leaky gutter or this problem or this, and they look at you like you're dumb? You see, giving to God is part of not only the heart, but of the mind. <laughs> we have to transform the way that we think and how we operate on planet Earth, because we are different. We are the king's kids. And so he says, if, I'm sorry, for if there is a willing mind, it is accepted according to what one has and not according to what he does not have. What do you have, the Lord says? That's your basis of your proportionate giving. Next, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. Give systematically or regularly. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. On the first day of the week, that would be the day that they met, and that would actually be Sunday, the, the, the day they met. Let each one of you Lay aside something, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So Paul says, listen, every Sunday, when you guys gather together, let each one, we're going to see that at the end there, let each one lay aside something. Lay aside. So it's regularly. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 9. Going back to the Old Testament again, verses 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with your first fruits of all of your increase. Now, the Jews knew this, but this is something the Gentiles don't know yet. They don't, they're, they're Gentiles. They don't think the way a Jew does. And a Jew knew that he was to give to God the first fruits. Whatever was the first of the crop, he would give that. He would even have to give his firstborn. Now, there was a payment to get your, your kid out of there. You're like, I, that's my kid. No, he ain't. Well, then you got to pay. And they paid for the firstborn to be redeemed. But notice with me, he says, here's the promise. And in and, and the first time I taught this, I only gave verse 9. But I wanted to add verse 10 in there because the, uh, the, the, the psalmist here it just it gives us more of the heart of God. So, with your first fruit of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I don't even have the Malachi verse in this study, which means test God in this, that if you would give to him, uh, the heavens would open up and there wouldn't be enough barns to, to fill it because this verse speaks of that. Listen, when we give, it's not, listen, Calvary is so different than what's going out on in churches. This isn't give so you can get a Tesla. 
Amen? It's not give, and you put your handprint on here, and this is the seed offering, and then I send you a hanky, and then it's going to be a triple fold of your... That, that is nowhere in Scripture. That are their snake oil salesmen. God is not broke. <laughs> you don't need to give right now or we're going to go down. That's not it. In 18 years of this church, Bill has only had to approach the church one time, and it was only because we were in such a financial uh, crash of a nation that he just simply wanted to encourage the church of where we were financially, and I think it was like nothing, very little. And I had taken several pay cuts um, because what was most important is that, that we would have enough rent for the church to operate, to continue to operate as a church, be able to turn on the lights. And it's the only time Bill's ever had to go up there, and he did that faithfully, and I'm glad that he did that because I didn't have to do it. He had to do that because that was his role to just inform of that. And so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. Two more. Plan your giving. Isn't that ingenious? Plan it out. How many people that you know, maybe this was you somewhere down the line, because we don't carry cash anymore, right? We're going to the cash society. I mean, South Korea is about to eliminate all cash altogether. So it's very prophetic what we're going to get to in the next couple of weeks, a cash society. But people used to carry cash all of the time. In fact, we had a guy long ago um, that basically he was the only guy that would ever give cash out. And the only reason why I knew that is because in the beginning I, I, I had to do that. And I was like, wow, that guy's the only one and everybody else did checks, right? So when you plan your giving in, in your kind of the old way of doing it, people would come to church and be like, what do I have in my pocket? And like me, I have nothing. I, my jean pockets don't come out very well. And they were like, oh, honey, what do you have on you, cash? Just whatever, throw that into the pot. That's not planning it out. That's not even being a good steward. So let's read the verse, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 2. On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay aside, storing up as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So plan your giving. Paul says, listen, on the, when you guys come together in the body, plan your giving. Now, you may get paid once a month, twice a month, whatever your payment is, how you get paid, you base your giving upon that. There's no right way or wrong way, but it needs to be, as we saw there, orderly, regularly, and that you plan it. Lastly, which I love, uh, he just says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7, give something. Isn't that novel? Wow, just give something? He says, so let each one, that's what I want you to underline, each one. Just give something. As he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or out of necessity, for God loves a hilarious giver. What a great way to end the message today. Letting you know that you and I have a responsibility because God is the great giver. And all that we have is because he gives it to us. Let's turn back to Luke chapter 21. Let's read it again and we end. I got a couple more points and so he looked up and he saw the rich man, rich putting in their gifts into the treasury. And he also saw a certain woman putting in two mites. And Jesus said unto them, Truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than you all. For all of these out of the abundance have put in their offering for God, but she out of the poverty put in all of her livelihood that she had. Isn't that wonderful? In God's eye, so the idea here, in God's eye, what determines then the gift? Remember that God does not need our money. It is our privilege to give to him. 
Giving is a necessity on our part, not on his part. A gift's value is determined by the spirit in which it, it is given. God doesn't want grudgingly. He doesn't want our money because of some thermometer. He wants it to be done because you agree with that. And the value of the gift is determined by the cost of the giver. Hi, sorry I say this all the time. One of my favorite verses in all the Bible is a section of Scripture that David in 2 Samuel 24, 24, where David buys the land of the threshing floor, and David says, I am not going to give to God that which costs me nothing. The New Testament is pretty clear that our giving should be sacrificially. It should be. At some point, and I don't mean to say it this way, it should hurt because the woman demonstrates that giving all, she could have kept one coin and had some bread, but she gave all. Would we not agree that that hurt financially to do that? But she did it, and she was trusting in the Lord. Now, again, the end of the message, let me just say, we don't want a bunch of you coming to us and say, we gave everything out of our account because then the church is going to have to provide for you in that way. Be wise. Be um, discerning. And if you need some counseling about giving or that, we've got plenty of people who have done very well financially uh, in their life, and God has blessed them because of that. And they are also great givers in that. Well, um, I don't know any other best Christmas message next week than uh, Jesus telling us about the end of the world. <laughs> Merry Christmas. <laughs> I was telling that to Mike. I'm like, oh, that didn't work out very well this year, did it? Oh, your relatives are coming. Is he going to talk about the manger? Well, he's going to talk about blowing up the manger. <laughs> so, Jesus makes this transition now, right? He's going to make this transition into telling them about this temple that they're so enwowed over. And he's going to say, not one stone has been left on another. We talked about that a couple of weeks ago. But he's going to get into now what will be the end. What will be those signs of the coming of the Son of Man? And so, encourage you to read ahead because it will be probably a couple of weeks in this section, Lord willing. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you give us, Lord, a giving heart, a willing mind, a discerning mind, Lord. And Father, let us not know what our right hand is doing from our left. Lord, thank you that we get to give to you at all and that we are part of the kingdom of God and this is how you have chosen on planet Earth to work resources into the church and into ministries and missionaries as well. And so, Lord, thank you for this month again to be with family and friends. Lord, that we would not have a spirit of fear or timidity, that we would have a sound mind through your word. And by your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would give us joy in our lives and in our hearts. We love you, Lord, and we thank you because you are the great life giver. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, let's worship the